Put another log on the fire Cook me up some bacon and some beans And go out to the car and change the tire Wash my socks and sew my old blue jeans Come on baby, you can fill my pipe And then go fetch my slippers And boil me up another pot of tea Then put another log on the fire, babe And come and tell me why you're leaving me I love it. Tom Paul Glazer. <laughs> and I know there's some women going, That's disgusting. No, it's, it's, they're being sarcastic. <laughs> Guys are stupid. This <laughs> is like, what? You're doing all that stuff for me. I love you. What? <laughs> oh, man. It's just a cute song. <laughs> and it, it's relevant this morning. Well, yeah. Yeah, I did put the log on the fire. <laughs> I put the log on the fire. <laughs> it was chilly, spitting snow this yeah, morning. Yeah, really cold. April 28th. I'm like, hello. Yeah, and the wind is just piercing yeah, right now. Yeah. It makes me feel like it's in the did 20s. You get, did you get blown, blown on the high? It wasn't that bad, but oh, it was. Okay. there's definitely some good gusts. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, good news. What's that? Red Sox. They won. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, okay, this is good. <laughs> right. So they're they're in. Uh, they've done three games uh, with Toronto. Yep. In Toronto, uh, dropped the first two. One yesterday, seven to one. Mm-hmm. Good, good. And now uh, the rubber match. See if we can walk out of there at five hundred. That'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Today at three oh seven, first pitch. Yes. You can hear it all right here on News Talk ninety nine point seven WNTK and AM fourteen ninety FM ninety eight point nine WUVR. And then tomorrow, um, well, 7.05, uh, and Saturday, 7.05, they're down in camp uh, at uh, Oriole Park, mm-hmm. uh, the new camp to yards. Yeah. So, uh, and hopefully, they'll beat up on, you know, if we could get, we got the win yesterday, today, and then sweep. Okay. I, I feel a little bit better yeah. about where we are. Yeah. So We'll see. It's just kind of a, a rugged little start. I mean, if we can't beat them this weekend, then... Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's a bad, oh, bad sign. Yeah, and I hate checking out this early. You know, <laughs> right. it's not, yeah, it's still April. Yeah, that's that's not good. And, no. and I, I try not to be um, one of those people that, you know, the Red Sox take it on the chin in April. And you go, right. Ah, season's over. Right. Well, I remember back in two thousand four. I mean, we thought they were completely done for, and then yep, the miracle of miracles. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. So. Never say never. Yeah. Uh, that's all. So anyway, but uh, all the action, um, all the action, right here today. Yep. Yep. So uh, you got us in the morning, and then um, you know, hang on. Um, the world's oldest person passed away. No, still alive. Oh, um, she's a French nun. I see. She loves chocolate and wine. Well, yeah, there hey, you, go. you know, hundred and eighteen <laughs> years old. Hundred eighteen. Yep. Yeah, so I th- uh, the previous person I think that just passed away was 119. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. 119. That's 118. The, even. Yeah. That's that's the problem. Uh, you know, all, she was born 1904, <laughs> survived two world wars, um, COVID 19 inf- infection, blah 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 blah. Um, she's living in a retirement home for the past 12 years. <laughs> just 12 years. 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. So she only moved in when she was like 107. <laughs> yeah. But 100, 118 years. Um, wow. And she said, yeah. She said, I, I have my wine every day. love my chocolate. I'm like, well, there you go. <laughs> you know, everything in moderation um, yeah. is the way I look at it. Um, 
That's the issue, yeah. You know, um, because some people try to swear off, can't have chocolate, can't have wine. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, you can. Just don't go nuts, you know? Yeah. Um, we had, um, I remember a few years ago um, over at Sunnaby Cove, we had one of the oldest uh, people in the country. Really? Yeah, he, uh, Hazel Nilsson, I think it was her name. Okay. And I think she passed away when she was 111. Wow. Yeah. She was like the top five people in the U.S., I think. You know, and there are people walking around today going, God, I'm 62, I'm old. No. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, she's literally almost twice that age. Yeah, you're not even halfway there yet. <laughs> That's insane. Uh, but, the, I mean, but we all know people that were old when they were 21. Right. You know, yeah. uh, just really? You've made it to 40. Wow. That's... Well, that, I mean, that ironically, I turned 40 next month, and... I remember when I was, yeah, when I was 20, I thought life was pretty much over at 40, and now I'm here. <laughs> it's like, oh. One of my, uh, uh, one of my boys, um, he, he, you know, he stopped celebrating birthdays at, at 22. No. He's like, no, no, I'm getting old. I'm going, shut <laughs> up, will you? Yeah. Um, so we, I can't wish him a happy birthday. Um, it's just, hey, uh, so, uh, oh, it's Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Happy Thursday, right. you know? Yeah. Uh, because, oh, no, he just recoils <laughs> that another year. Right. It's like, wow, give me a break. <laughs> Some people just, you know, want to live in denial. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, my impression of quote-unquote old gets older every year older that I get. It does. No. Um, you know, and I, I used to see the uh, um, the old posters uh, really ugly looking dog mm-hmm. going, god if i'd known i was going to live this long i would have taken better care of myself right. you know and i'm feeling that way some days like mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah you know i probably should that's what my mother meant oh i get it <laughs> yeah 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 um if you do you have uh friends or, or family down in uh down in mass uh i actually don't oh, okay yeah no no friends i mean a few friends but anywhere near kingston mass no they're mostly in boston and okay the surrounding area well, uh, there's a family in Kingston, Mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were just awarded $5 million in damages uh, after their home and mental health suffered damages from golf balls flying onto their property from the Indian Pond Country Club. The family originally savored the beautiful views of the 15th fairway that abutted their property, so they felt lucky to join. But soon golfers began showing up in droves, and their once idyllic home turned into what felt like a battlefield. Windows were shattered, the siding of their home had golf ball-sized dents, and they were generally afraid for their children's safety. Over the past four years, they gathered nearly 700 golf balls that had landed on their property. She said, when it hits, it sounds like a gunshot. It's very scary. Uh, The family put up a wall on their own. Mm. They they paid for it, but the golf balls kept coming. Uh, They even consulted with golf course experts to put netting around the home, but were told no net could be constructed high enough to prevent the onslaught. Had enough, took them to court. Trial lasted six days. And the country club was ordered to pay over $4.9 million to cover damages and legal fees. Additionally, the club was given a permanent injunction to hopefully stop any future damage. Following the verdict, the country club reconfigured the 15th hole, and the family hasn't seen a golf ball since. Wow. Yep. And they're $5 million richer. But the country club plans to file an appeal to the injunction. Ah, of course. Well, you knew that was going to happen. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, because the club's lawyer said, you know, in my opinion, the verdict of $3.5 million for alleged emotional distress <laughs> is against the weight of the evidence. Why, not, why didn't they just jump ship and put the house back on the market? Well, who would want to buy it? Would mm. you want to buy it? Right. Come nah. on. 
They said we're not going to give this to another family. I mean, I, I do feel like three and a half million might be, might be a little excessive, but yeah. You know, well, I mean, if you can get it, I guess. It, it's four years, you know. Four, yeah, four years of that. Yeah. So I know. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but I was just saying, if you had family or friends down there, you know, yeah. you might want to do it. Yep. Tell you what, we'll take a break. Eight uh, thirteen is the time. She changed a lot. Then I found this note taped on the mailbox that said, Goodbye, Turkey. My attorney will be in touch. So I decided right then and there, I was going to do what's right. Give her her fair share. But, brother, I didn't know her share was going to be that much. She got the gold mine. Ah, uh, Jerry Reed. That's right. From the song, She Got the Gold Mine, I Got the Shaft. That's when he uh, came home and there, she left a note on the mailbox saying, Goodbye, Turkey. My attorney will be in touch. Uh, rather than play turkey sound effects, uh, I figured I'd just say goodbye, turkey. Sounds better when Jerry Reed does it. And it sounds even better when Carter Heath does it, uh, when he gets out there and starts calling. Uh, Carter Heath is with us this morning, regional director of the uh, National Wild Turkey Federation. Morning, Carter. Good morning, Mr. St. James. Great to hear from you. How are you doing? Living the dream. Thank you very much. you got to be excited. Well, I, I mean, come on, turkey oh, season. Oh, it's coming right up. Sunday here in New Hampshire, May 1st, and goes right through May 31st. Gotta love it. Well, you know, last, uh, two weeks, no, it was last week. Last week we had uh, Joe Judd on uh, from... Uh, oh, Joe's great. Oh, Joe's yeah. great. And I, actually, I got Joe. He was out in Illinois uh, turkey hunting. Yeah. And uh, Joe called in, and he was talking about the youth uh, weekend, which was last weekend, um, yep. and giving some encouragement to the... Uh, the young turkey hunters out there and trying to give them reasons to get all jacked up and get out there. And his big word was patience. That's it. Patience kills turkeys. Yep. yep. Absolutely right. Yep. Yep. So yeah. you, you, you've been in this game for a while and then I, I was yeah. really happy to see you get elevated a, a while back uh, with the uh, um, NWTF. Um, and now yeah. you're here. You are the regional director. I mean, it's been good to you. It's been wonderful. Yeah, and and this is how I earn a living. I'm blessed every day to get to to make my living, basically fulfilling our mission, which is important to me. Which is we're dedicated to the conservation of the wild turkey and the preservation of our hunting heritage. So, I mean, two things that have always been important to me. And and like, uh, I mean, when you and I first met, I had been a volunteer right. with the Wild Turkey Federation. And now, like I said, this is my, this is my, my full-time gig. I, w- I went from being a crusty old surveyor to this. So uh, <laughs> it's pretty wonderful. Well, and, and, you know, we've talked about, I've talked about it over the years. Uh, one of the greatest success stories in New Hampshire was the reintroduction of the turkeys. I mean, they were gone. Absolutely, and it, and that could actually apply to you know New Hampshire and and the Northeast is exactly one of the greatest conservation yeah. uh, success and comeback stories in history of of conservation, let alone in just New Hampshire. I mean, this is we went from I believe it was twenty five turkeys back in mid seventies uh, to now where we are between, you know, around 45,000 birds in the state. So it's, it is, it's incredible. And, and, you know, we're basically standing on the shoulders of giants, you know, the, the, the Ted Walskis, the Gary Coburn, oh, yeah. those, those guys were there. They just, you know, amazing. And Allison's jumped right in too. Oh, 
Allison has done a fantastic, fantastic job, as far as I'm concerned, uh, in her role as yep. Uh, you know, turkey biologist for the state. So. She, uh, Allison Keating, and she's been on with me uh, for a couple of years now. And she, I mean, filling in uh, Ted Walski's shoes, big shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. But man, Allison, big muck boots, big muck boots to fill. Yeah, but she she did it seamlessly. Yes. Yep. She really did. She really did a great job. So, so, so are you I mean, fi- are you finding? Um, I mean, you know, for us, uh, the older guys, uh, it's always been yeah. deer, 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 deer. Do you find that the, the, the people who are coming into hunting uh, are gravitating more toward turkey as maybe the intro to hunting? Yeah. So, I mean, as you know, turkey hunting can be very, uh, very rewarding, even if you're not pulling the trigger, just by having the all those brain chemicals shoot into your noggin from hearing a gobble with right. the, after you called. I mean, that's so reinforcing. So... You know, I, I often, with new hunters, will say that that's kind of the baseline for success. You know, I mean, shooting a turkey, that's great, but, you know, even if we can just get out there and hear one, that's fantastic. And so that helps. It's like the gateway to to other forms of hunting, uh, but because it's you're able to be a little more social, you're able to sit next to each other, and, and you can have a person that may be a little more experienced calling for you and... Um, you know, it, it really does help introduce new folks to hunting, and then hopefully that parlays into other forms of hunting. And you know, where where we're in the springtime with spring turkey season, uh, you know, you're really up against uh, lawn mowing and trout fishing. So, yeah. uh, whereas whereas you know, in the fall, you've got a lot of other options that can can take up your time. Yeah, but you know, you're right. Spring casting and blasting. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Love it! I, I'm love all, it. Do you remember your first turkey? Yes. You remember your first turkey, Carter? Oh, I really vividly do. Yes, that and that that was actually one. Uh, I had built a longbow and had cedar arrows and Zwicky Eskimo broadheads, oh, and it was in the fall, and uh, I I was able to uh, work a flock of birds and. It got close enough, and I was able to shoot my first turkey ever with a homemade longbow, wow. and that that was that was pretty cool. Uh, and then then actually, I I struggled for quite a while, and then I, uh, you know, started starting getting being more involved with some more involved people, I guess you could say. And so I my learning curve really picked up dramatically, uh, you know, with with some of the folks that I was, you know friends with hanging around with uh you know and and really came into it and that's why having a mentor is so important you know you can learn a lot on youtube or you know social media you can you can you have resources but there's nothing like having a person that is experienced that's able to sit with you and show you and and teach you and uh that's actually one of the greater you know things that we've gotten to do with new hampshire fish and game is uh we have a, a learn to turkey hunt mentor program which had been kind of impacted with the previous couple of years but we got back into it this past spring and man it, it was fantastic you know to see folks to give people a, an opportunity to learn in a pretty concentrated way about uh turkeys turkey hunting history biology all that and uh you know again that's one of our partnerships with new hampshire fishing sure. game that's been so successful wow. and uh you know o- over the years we've created I believe it's over a couple hundred new 
turkey hunters that are going out into the field with a solid base of ethics, good information, uh, you know, you know, and everybody's gone through hunter ed. Yep. Yep. So, you know, it's, it's a win. It's a really cool thing. So do you, do you agree with Ben Franklin? Um, he was, uh, he was uh, a voice in the wilderness way back when the country mm-hmm. first founded, uh, when the founding fathers were saying the bald eagle should be the national bird. Ben Franklin said, no, the turkey. Turkey is infinitely right. smarter than the bald eagle. Uh, that should, and they all laughed at him and said, yeah, Ben, you're nuts. Go fly a kite. <laughs> um, and, and he did. Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah. But uh, <laughs> do you agree with Ben that that the turkey should have been the national bird? Uh, well, I, I would have to say, on based on, on uh, Ben Franklin's thoughts on it, it would have been uh, fitting. However it would have meant that it would have been probably more of a protected species and we wouldn't get a chance to hunt it. So, <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, so there's that. Yeah, you know? yeah, good point, good point. But, yeah, they, they, are, they are very smart birds. Uh, what's, what's the field of vision without moving their head? They have a 270-degree field of vision, and it's, they've got a monocular yeah. vision. So uh, that's why you're always seeing them bobbing and moving their heads around. They're always moving because they're able to build depth perception. Like with humans, our eyes are in the front of our face, and we're able to see, and the distance between our eyes gives us our depth perception. They don't have that because their eyes are on the side of their head. So they are able, their brain is able to pull together data and uh, give them the depth perception from that. But, you know, their, their vision is incredible. Their hearing is, without question, is one of their most amazing yeah. Yeah. features. Because they, I say this all the time, they're constantly doing trigonometry in their head, and they can figure out where a sound came from within a very small amount. They can pick out the tree that you're calling from. Mm. I, um, I remember yeah. the, the first turkey I got was in West Virginia, and I was mm-hmm. sitting on a side hill, and it, was a, there, it bottomed out, and there was a flat, and we had decoys down there. And I'm up against a tree, and uh, we called. And called like one one call every maybe forty five minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't much. Yep. Okay, waiting, waiting, and I'm sitting there. And first hour goes by, nothing. Second hour goes by, nothing. Third hour comes by. All of a sudden, I hear a noise behind me. Here come three toms behind us, and I'm like, mm-hmm. uh oh, uh oh, and I can't turn around. <laughs> I, I, and I'm just right. slowly moving my head. I'm going, oh my god, there they are, ten yards away. They're looking down the hill at the decoys. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Just sitting there waiting, waiting. And my guide is with me. And I'm not saying anything. And they start working their way down the hill. And the guide's going, shoot. I said, what? Shoot. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> and I got it. But yeah. It's like, nice. where the hell did you come from? Yeah. Right. Oh, they, well, that's the thing is they don't always come in gobbling. Um, you know, they, oftentimes they'll come in pretty quietly. Oh, they did. Which, oh, they certainly which, did. Which I, I actually, one of my, one of the things that I also mention with folks is if I'm calling a turkey and he's gobbling, and if he starts to just go quiet on me, that's when I get really the most ramped up. Yeah. Because that could very well, that could mean one of two things. One, he got spooked by either me or something else, or 
he's he's decided he's going to break from his uh, egotistical behavior of strutting and waiting for the hen to go to him, and he's finally broken and is is coming to me. Yep. That's that's when the heart rate accelerates. Greatly. Oh, absolutely. And you, and you can't overcall. You do that, and you're, right. you're, and that, you're and that, that's right. Yeah, you're screwed. That's right. Yep. And that's where Joe Judd was saying patience is is the biggest thing. Is because if if a bird stops gobbling and you've been sitting there for 10, 12, 15 minutes, and then you decide, well, nothing's happening. I guess I'm going to get up and leave. I can't tell you how many gobblers' lives have been spared because of that very no. uh, impatient uh, tactic. Hey, Some of them by me, I will say. Do you, uh, um, the the uh, Turkey Federation, um, pretty pretty active uh, around New Hampshire mm-hmm. and, and New England. You got any events yes. coming up? I do, actually, uh, June 25th right in Chichester, New Hampshire. The Capital Region Strutters is going to have, and this is one of my, this, this, it's a fun, fun event. It's, they're calling it the Redneck Barbecue. Uh, and Rich LaValle, the, cha- the new chapter president for the Capital Region Strutters, which was my old chapter, Peter. Yeah, yeah. Um, he puts on an amazing chicken barbecue with all the fixins and, and everything. We have the normal live and silent auction and, raffles and games and everything so it's uh and that's that's at whitey's garage so if if, uh you're not going to find that on a map because that's owned by one of our committee members Ah. uh, relatives yeah but it's it's awesome uh the the feedback that we had last year on that event was highly highly positive wow um so if if anybody's interested in getting tickets for that or anything the easiest way to do that is to go to events dot nwtf dot org okay. and that is the easiest way and uh, just do a search for new hampshire events and that'll you'll see that right on there plus if you're listening from around the other areas i mean there's there are plenty of events going on uh coming up here this summer well we'll get you we'll get you back uh-huh. on and we'll talk about some of them because we've got yeah. uh we've got the, uh, the upper valley we've got parts of vermont we got we got we got people up here Good. That's great. So we'll talk about it. That's um, great. Send me, if you get yeah. something this weekend, send me a picture. Oh, I will. And and just, if I may, in our, you know, closing here, just I hope everybody is, you know, that gets out and turkey hunts, you know, just, you know, respect the land, respect your landowners, respect each other. Uh, you know, I always ask people to have a plan A, plan B, plan C. I, I got out this weekend for youth weekend with uh, a young gentleman and his dad, and uh, I had asked them to do their scouting and to have those plans, and it's a good thing we did because our plan A had a truck park there when we got there. Oh, and yeah. out of respect for somebody else's hunt, uh, you know, I wouldn't want it, you know, if, if somebody came in on my hunt. So we left the area and went to our plan B and, uh, you know, ended up with just a multitude of birds gobbling. But uh, they, they did what they will sometimes do when it's this early on, and they'll They'll uh, gobble on the limb and then kind of get quiet when they yep. when they land. I hear you. All right. Um, well, Carter, good luck, my um, friend. Uh, we'll catch up soon. All right. Excellent. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. My pleasure. We'll all talk right. to you. Carter Heath from the uh, National Wild Turkey Federation, uh, nwtf.org, uh, backslash events, uh, coming up June 25th in Chichester. Go check it out. We'll take a break. Back with more. your past belong to 
today, baby You don't say nothing when you're feeling this way Girls in the bars thinking, who is this guy? But they don't think nothing when they're telling you lies You look so careless when they're shooting that bull Don't you know heartaches are heroes when their pockets are full? Tell me you're trying to cure a seven-year ache See what else your old heart can take Johnny Cash's little girl, hmm, Roseanne. She was hot property for a while. That's when she was married to Rodney Crowell. And <laughs> she was cranking, my baby thinks he's a train, seven-year ache. She was all over the place, sounded great. And then phew, got a divorce and <clears throat> just kind of stopped. Uh-huh. But too bad, great, great voice. 8.37 is the time. Looking at uh, uh, Wall Street yesterday. Um the U.S. GDP declined at 1.4% uh, annual pace the first quarter. Uh, first time unemployment claims declined. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is good. Uh, gold, silver, and crude oil all down yesterday. Yay. Okay. Uh, the Dow, uh, the S&P 500, and NASDAQ all up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This, this is I okay. Like those, those are good directions. Yep. So don't, uh, don't get all yippy. Uh, you know how you get. Uh, today, um, breezy, high of 44 today. Yeah. Um, winds, uh, cloud, sun. Uh, I just saw northwest winds about 12 to 15 miles an hour. Yeah. Rocking. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow, high of 47. Winds will be subsiding. Finally. Uh, a little warmer on Saturday, 52. Uh, Sunday, pick of the litter for the weekend, uh, 61. Yeah, nice. 61, sunny and mild. Back to normal. And then uh, Monday, 56 and cloudy. Tuesday, 65. Yeah. A couple of showers. Rain showers, not the, you know, yeah. the other kind. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it's okay. Um, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. It's still that weird transition season where you either have full-on winter or unseasonably warm. Yep, yep. So, and now they're, they're um, um, whoops, sorry about that. My computer. Oh, there we go. Um, I was looking at uh, AccuWeather. Mm-hmm. Um, they're saying they just came out with their summer forecast. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. The dartboard. Right. You know, uh, they're saying lawnmowers will have their work cut out for them this summer across the Northeast. Although finding windows of opportunity to head outside to cut the grass could be tricky with stormy patterns on tap. Right. In the Northeast, they said we've had ample amounts of moisture here to start off 2022. The wet weather pattern is predicted to continue across the region into summer with frequent rain that could disrupt many outdoor summertime activities, like doing yard work, exercising, <laughs> hello, or playing golf. See, I go fishing. The fish are already wet. Who cares? You're right. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. He said, we may not have to water the lawn too often. He said, yeah. actually, the thing is, you're probably going to have to cut the lawn often. Uh, most moisture also means increased chances of severe weather from the Atlantic coast through the Great Lakes. So, mm. uh, a lot of severe weather to deal with here in the Northeast coming early to mid part of the summer season. All the ingredients are there. Interesting. Now, you know, who knows? Nearly every major right. city, um, they said it's going to help limit the potential for heat waves, mm-hmm. which is great. Nearly every major city across the Northeast experienced more 90-degree days than normal last year. Yeah, last year was a warm summer. Yeah, Boston typically does 14 90-degree days. Mm-hmm. Last year, they had 24. Wow. This year, they're predicting 15 to 18 
which is about the same. <laughs> okay. I love how accurate they get with these things. It's like, and it's not even close generally. I but you know, a nod is as good as a wink to a blind horse. <laughs> you know, that's the way I look at it. So they're, anyway, they're saying it looks like a wet summer. Am I going to change my summer plans? No. No. It's just whatever. Yeah. Um, and so okay, so the grass gets to be a, a hayfield. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 8.41 is the time. That, but that's AccuWeather. Uh, you know, who knows what the what the story is going to be. But uh, they just wait in. You can do whatever you will. 8.41 is the time. We're going to take a uh, quick break, and we're going to come back and see what's shaking at the Upper Valley Humane Society right after this. Forty-five is the time. Well, I'm going to save you time and money right now. Now, see, if you wanted to climb Mount Everest, you got to get on a plane. You got to fly to Kathmandu, Nepal, uh, which is the capital of Nepal, and then you got to get a guide and you got to go up Mount Everest. Ha ha! Now, if you would like a cat named Everest, all you got to do is get in the car, drive up old Route 10 into Enfield, go to the Upper Valley Humane Society, see Carrie, and say, "I want to meet Everest." Boom! I've saved you time and money. How's that, Carrie? <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> my feet are tapping. My fingers are tapping on the desk. Yeah, you good, know, good music. <laughs> I spend so much time worrying about your setups every week. You know. <laughs> I know, but guess what? What? Guess what? Yeah, but he's adopted. Everest. Everest was adopted yesterday afternoon. <laughs> ah. So that's great. But that is good. Home about like four o'clock in the afternoon. So, um, but have no fear. We have other cats. Of course you do. Okay, but you don't get it. You don't. Everest got the setup. Okay, this next cat doesn't get the setup. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's okay. All right. Well, that's good. Because, no, that yeah, is good. So I, how, how old? There's actually. How old was Everest? Oh, you're going to quiz me? <laughs> Ballpark. It was a cute little thing. I think she was about a year old, if I. Oh, I could be totally wrong. Okay. She was young, anyway, a young cat. Okay. Yeah, so we actually, I'm going to tell you about a, a few different cats because we recently, we've been working all month actually, um, taking in some cats from a home, from the same home where the owner sadly passed away. And we took in uh, 10, 11 adult cats. Wow. Some of them were spayed, neutered, and some weren't. And so we, we took in pregnant cats, young cats. Um, I don't think these cats saw a lot of people other than their owners, so they're really shy. So we do tend to call them spirit cats because they need some extra time settling in. Um, they're, uh, you know, just noise and fast movements tend to startle them, but they're all really sweet. Once they get to know people, they, they come out of their little shell. You know, they, they start to open up and like to be petted. So... Um, so these cats, they, they're just looking for some quiet, calm homes, and we actually have named them after cities. Ooh. So if you're ever on our website or our Facebook, you, you, if you see a cat with a city name, you'll kind of know. But So we've got Augusta, who is, he's a sweet and silly, I'm told, and he loves wand toys, and he's learning to let people pet him. 
Okay. He's he's about a year old, and he, he's mostly black. He has a white chest and paws. And then we have this really cute duo, Phoenix and Lincoln, and they're actually best friends. Phoenix is about two, and Lincoln's about one. Um, Phoenix is a gray and white tiger cat, and Lincoln's a brown and white tabby cat. They're just, they're really cute. Lincoln's a lot smaller, and they just look really cute when they're snuggling. So do they go, um, do they go as a pair? They will go as a pair. Okay. Yeah, we don't want to separate them. They're, they're besties. Okay, got it. <laughs> um, Olympia is a black and white tuxedo male, about a year old. And Hercules, which I did not know was a city name, but apparently Hercules is a city in California. He's a really handsome gray and white cat, about a year old. So he, um, yeah, he's really handsome. We have a nice picture of him on our website, uvhs.org. Huh. So we have a few still that aren't ready yet, but they're, so you'll see more get added. And, um, we did have one go home already named Montgomery. So we've we've taken in, you know, a nice handful and then we've we're gonna have some kittens from that group too. Wow. Well that's kinda cool. Yeah. So it's just that they're a little shyer and they need a little extra time. So as long as somebody knows that going in and is willing to just be patient, I think you'll end up with a wonderful cat. Wow. And and, and again, if you uh like um uh the duo, it's gotta go as a duo. Yeah, and also, truthfully, all of these cats would prefer to live with other cats. So if you already have a cat at home, um, you could certainly add one of these guys, and they would be very happy. Um, but the duo definitely needs to go together. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. And actually, Hercules, um, yes, it's uh, 10 miles north of Berkeley, California, um, oh. on the eastern region of San Francisco Bay. And it was um, they made dynamite. Um, it was the... California Powder Works Company, and they made dynamite, and they changed their name to the Hercules Power Powder Company, and then they said, "Well, okay, well, we'll just call it Hercules then." That's how it got. Look at name. you with all the look at you with all the knowledge this See, morning, Peter. Carrie, I have no life. Okay, this is what I do. <laughs> oh, look, something shiny. You know, it, it works. <laughs> but uh, interesting story. I'd never heard of Hercules, California. So. There well, you go. I had never heard of it this morning. I said, why is Hercules the only one not named after a city? And then I went and looked it up, and I said, oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. That's it. Wow. Okay, so if people have questions about uh, Montgomery and Augusta and Olympia and blah, 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 the other towns, um, <laughs> how, do they, how do they go about this? Uh, the best thing to do is just give us a call, 603-448-6888. And we um, have pictures of all of the available ones up on our website, uvhs.org. Cool. We also have kittens and puppies right now, which are going to go super fast. So it's nice to have puppies and kittens around again, though. <laughs> um, what kind of puppies? They're lab mixes. Uh, of course. Well, so they're going to fly. They're flying out the door, I'm sure. But <laughs> Yeah. Uh, blacks? Yellows? They are brown. Oh, brown. Let me look. Now i got to look again. Well, Jules is brown. Um, let's see here. Oh, I guess. Let's see. Look like dark, dark brown or black. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Okay. So if you're a puppy they person. They are very cute. Yeah. Check it out. Uh, UVHS.org. Or give them a call, 603-448-6888, and say, Carrie, tell me about the duos. I want them. That's so. right. You know me. I want them all, all the time. Yeah, of <laughs> course. Yeah, it must be hard for you to say goodbye to them. It is. It's bittersweet. You know, you're super happy, and then 
but it's also kind of sad. Yeah. But you know what? I think our, you know, these these pet pet of the week seems to work because Everest went home this week, and last week Bubbles the dog went home at the end of the week too. So thank you guys. That's because Jeannie played Tiny Bubbles. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, that had to have been it. Yeah, that that's that's what did it. All right. Well, we'll see what we can do to help you this week, and we'll check back with you later. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Carrie. See ya. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. 8.52 is the time, so if you're looking for puppies and kittens, call Carrie. Upper Valley Humane Society. Uh, UVHS.org, uh, 603-448-6888. And, yeah, I, I would think she's she's a sap for that. So she's in love with all these kittens and puppies, mm. and then they go out the door. Mm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I can get it. I mean, if you get any level of attached to them, I mean, yeah. 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 It's hard to think about it. Would. Yeah. No. An animal you bonded with in any level, I guess. Which one? Oh, uh, just of any, you know, oh. any any animal that comes in. I'm sure you form a bond with on oh, some God, level. Yeah. And, oh yeah. 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 I'm, a, but I'm a dog guy. I'm not a cat guy. I've yeah. Just never been a cat guy. No. 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 Yeah, I grew up with cats. I mean, my my mom had cats, and she bred cats. <sighs> yeah, she bred ragdoll cats. I had. Uh, um, oh gosh, I was working radio. Um, and another guy just moved into the market and uh the station said hey uh, you've got two bedroom apartment you want to split with them I'm like not really <laughs> um they said well you know we'll help we'll give you some money and i'm like oh okay <laughs> all right so the guy moved in yeah it was, it was a nice enough guy yeah. didn't find out till uh he got in there that he had cats ah plural plural <laughs> Okay. So um, I was stumbling out of bed at like 5 o'clock in the morning because I was the morning guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I come to the kitchen. He hadn't done the dishes from the night before, and his cats were standing in the sink licking the dirty dishes. That sounds about right. God. Okay. (laughs) And and I'm like, okay, really turned off by this. And then I've got cat hair and tumbleweeds. Uh Hey, dude. Okay. I got the show. Clean this place up. Okay. Yeah. And then I didn't come back until that evening. And okay, it's like, well, oh, doesn't look bad. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fell into bed, woke up the next morning, uh, went in to take a shower, turned the water on, boom, got in. And I stepped in something in the shower. I'm like, <laughs> oh God, it's moving. What is that? <laughs> he had vacuumed, but then decided to empty the vacuum cleaner contents into the shower. It's about four inches deep in cat fur. Why? I went, I don't know. <laughs> okay, your tenure in this do. apartment is gone. Yeah. That's... See ya. <laughs> I'm like, what a pig. That's bizarre. You make me look like a neat freak. <laughs> like, I just don't even understand the logic I, of I that don't, at I, I all. Don't, I don't know if he... So, yeah, let me just put this here. Though. The intention it was good. Like he going to clean it, but... I guess. Then, well, I, just I put got the tired. Trash. I'm going to go have a beer. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, something... But I just stepped into smoosh cat fur like oh uh, yeah best place to put it down the drain oh yeah yeah that, that'll help it out no no that was ugly <laughs> new hampshire uh, house republicans doubling down on a uh, proposed congressional redistricting map even after the governor said i don't like it mm. they went <laughs> eight to seven vote house special committee on redistricting approved a new congo map that would make the first congo district 50 50 toss-up and the second congressional district more democratic hmm it would also put both incumbents into the same district. The author of the map says it's not far from the competitive balance that uh, the governor wanted. Yeah. He said, you know, my map's only a little more than two points behind uh, what he produced. So I'm hoping that doesn't end up being a gridlock point. 
Democrats opposed in the House map saying it would unnecessarily move one-third of the state's population into a new congressional district. Hmm. So, I don't know. Oh, do, do you know what the current uh, breakdown is? No. 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 Yeah. Uh, I know they've been talking about it. Uh, oh, yeah. No, yeah. And, um, so it would make first Congo um, 50-50 toss-up. Yeah. And second, which is uh, Cheshire uh grafton sullivan, sullivan you know uh Coloss. part of part of merrimack is Coloss is that in there uh Col- of course is uh i thought Coloss was one maybe it is uh, yeah jacks uh, no 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 i think Coloss causes two uh because i think carroll county is the end of one yeah i think you're right yeah, I think, yeah. The conway yeah it kind of diagonal up because i was the chairman of the carroll county republican committee oh, really? at one time yeah <laughs> at one point yeah and we only went to uh jackson Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It would make the second more democratic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what are you gonna do? Yeah. I, <laughs> so it'll be. You know, I don't know what the governor's gonna do. Will yeah. he shoot it down? I, I don't know. Yeah. He made it. Uh, um, he made it clear. I don't like it. But yeah. yeah. I don't know. We will see. Yeah. Um, I also did you know that they could. Um, earlier this year that they had uh, U.S. Congress passed the bill to make daylight savings time permanent. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought they had actually just extended the... Or, or it's year-round. Yeah, so there's no spring ahead fallback. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I didn't know that. Uh, I, I thought they were just just, just imp, uh, continuing on the expanded one that Bush put in place back in 2000 or it's, whatever. Uh, it, but it's not a done deal yet. So. Oh, it's not? No. Oh, okay. No, no, no. No, it isn't. I mean, they should. I mean, it's, I it's ridiculous I'm, I'm we still do this at this I'm point. I'm tired of it. I just thought it was, because I, I remember it wasn't a huge deal in the news, and I was just like, well, the country's been doing this since its inception. I mean, <laughs> or not inception, but a long time. See, um, I, I happened to catch this... Uh, this morning I was looking at sports. Mm-hmm. Um, a dad caught a foul ball. Yep. Do you see this? With this I one? didn't see that. No. <laughs> Fifth inning, Cincinnati Reds, San Diego Padres. Uh, boom! Pitch goes into foul territory behind the dugout. The guy is standing there holding a baby, feeding the baby with a bottle. Takes his hand out and shags the foul ball. <laughs> didn't spill. Got a souvenir. Baby's happy. All good. Wow. Welcome to the ballpark. <laughs> It was a great catch. That's what we need, the Red Sox. Some kind of, yeah, you know, exactly. That's, that's yeah. what we need. Get that guy. I know. <laughs> News on the way, back on the other side, with the state's entomological chief. Ooh, the bug check. Coming up. As I got home about a half past ten There was the woman I thought I knew In the arms of another man Kept my cool, I ain't no fool Let me tell you what happened then I packed some clothes and I walked out And I ain't going back again So take a letter, Maria 
message to my wife Say I won't be coming home Gotta start a new life Take a letter, Maria Address it to my wife Send a copy to my lawyer Gotta start a new life Harvey Greaves, Sam Cooke's nephew, had one hit. Done. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Stick a fork in it. It's over. Wow. Alex Cora returned to the dugout last night. Socks lit it up. Thank you. Seven to one winners yesterday. Woo woo. Ended their four game skid. Yay. One in a row. Okay, going for two. <laughs> going for two today. 307. First pitch today. Uh, Red Sox, Toronto Blue Jays. Hopefully, we'll walk out of Toronto at 500. Uh, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. And you can hear all the action on News Talk 99.7, WNTK, and AM 1490, FM 98.9, WUVR. And then uh, it shifts to Baltimore uh, for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday games. Yep. And then uh, they're back at Fenway, taking on the uh, Angels and the White Sox and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, uh, Sunday, Sunday's May 1st. Yeah. I know. And and we just we're looking at a little uh, very light snow squall. Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. Okay, it's the 28th of April. Yeah. May is just a couple days away and yeah, spitting snow. I remember I think it was 2015 I was up in Lebanon and uh it was Memorial Day evening and there were flurries. Memorial Day. Yeah. That's it's like, what? I know. It's uh, weird. That is weird. It is weird. But what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, California. Uh, here's another reason. If I, I could care less about California, uh, they're going to raise their gas tax. It's, yep. a, it's already the highest in the nation. <laughs> For a good time. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Come July the once, uh, their gas tax is going to go to fifty three point six cents per gallon. Wow. Yep. Yep. Wow is right. Yeah. That's probably going to put it up what over six dollars a gallon, something like that. Um. I know it's already over five. Uh, they're uh, lawmakers apparently in California are not going to be able to stop the gas tax increase from taking place because they need to pass legislation by this Sunday in order to do it. And so far, they have yet to introduce a bill. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Sounds like a good plan. Prices for a regular gallon of gas uh, hit 413 yep. um, in uh, California. Um, but uh, I- I'm sorry. Uh, nation national average. Yep. Uh, but California, um, a gallon of gas five sixty eight a gallon. Some parts of the state prices are higher. Mono County, average price six sixty one per Jeez. gallon. Yep. Yep. So yeah, again, uh, California, you can have it. I don't. Not a prayer, man. I just forget where the. I think uh, the cheapest prices are down around Oklahoma, Alabama, Mississippi. Yeah, that area for uh, Kentucky. Well, was a year ago we were at like two eighty eight a gallon or something. Yeah, I, was, I think less than that. I think it was like two yeah. two sixty something like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I know that uh, the folks at sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue <laughs> want to blame Putin for the gas woes. Well, yeah, no, mm. um, not not really. But yeah. you know. I still don't understand how that works because how much of the U.S. supply is from Russia? Like five or six percent, they said. Yeah. 
I mean, why are we dealing with a 100% increase? And, and I'm sorry, and you tapped into the uh, National Fuel Supply Reserve. Of course. To, to give us a break. Right. I'm still waiting. Right. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, literally nothing has changed. In yeah, price. I mean, and my idea of something is not going from $4 a gallon to three ninety eight. Right. Okay, that's... <laughs> No, that's not really a Which big literally deal. is what doing with using the national supply of oil would do. It would only go down a yeah. fraction. Yeah. Yeah. And and I said I was screaming going, "No. Yeah. Keep it for a real emergency." Yeah. I mean, and what did they say? It was like 30 minutes worth of the nation's fuel for each yeah. day or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just No, it's it's a drop of the bucket. Yeah. And um, looking at uh, Fox News, economy hits the worst quarter in 2 years as record high inflation and labor shortages weighed on growth, GDP tanked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, um, you know, I, I know the president is saying, hey, you know, we're lighting it up. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, sir, uh, um, with all due respect uh, to the office, I disagree. But, yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't think things are on fire right now. En fuego, it ain't. No. No. And that's why we love what we do here. I mean, because if all we did was talk the national stuff day in and day out. Mm-hmm. <gasps> yeah, my God. My God. Depressing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we talk turkey hunting. We talk cats. Uh, we're going to uh, check in uh, in a few moments with uh, the state entomologist uh, for mm-hmm. New Hampshire, uh, Pira Siegert. And she is, um, man, she she just loves her job she loves bugs bugs yeah uh and i remember saying to pierre once i said it's got to be magic being married to you <laughs> and, and she said her husband is a bug guy too oh there you I'm go like, oh dinners must be a hoot <laughs> <laughs> hey what, what's that crawling on the floor let's kill it no wait a minute don't kill it no. do you know what that is yeah, oh well, great we have to identify it first yeah <laughs> oh come on guys uh but she she uh um She's very diligent at what she does. Yeah. And we've got problems in New Hampshire with all kinds of nasty mm. emerald ash borers yep. and, and uh, stuff not indigenous to the area, but uh, because wood came in from China or Vietnam uh, into Baltimore and then got relocated around the country, and these little pesky things were in there. Mm-hmm. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, and now they're talking about what? Those parachuting spiders moving their way up uh, the coast? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and uh, which is why New Hampshire put the hammer down uh, on um, infects, uh, infested nursery stock, wood products, mm-hmm. uh, firewood. Yep. Stop bringing your firewood in right. uh, from uh, the, you know other parts of the country. Don't be doing that. Uh, buy it local or get kiln dried so that it's cooked. The stuff, but anyway, uh, we're gonna we're gonna check in with Pira in just a couple. Uh, Nine thirteen is the time. We'll take a break, and we'll be back with more and Pira Seeger right after this. our next guest singing if you're bringing out-of-state firewood to new hampshire one way or the other we're gonna get you 
We're going to get you. <laughs> you sing very well, Pira. <laughs> I wish. I wish I sang that well, but that's an appropriate song because in addition to firewood, I was going to talk a little bit about biting pests like ticks and uh, black flies. Look so at it. Perfect. Ah, perfect. <laughs> See, this is why we love having you come on, man. It's never enough. Uh, New Hampshire State Entomologist, a.k.a. the Bug Chick, uh, Pira Siegert, so good to have you back on. Well, I'm so happy to be here. Well, um, so, yeah, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. I wanted to uh, talk about the Firewood Scout uh, yes. because we're getting to that time of the year. Yes. And yes. And we know that um, it's a no-no. To bring out-of-state firewood, you've been preaching on this for a few years. Are we making headway? Well, it's hard to measure that. Um, but I do think that one way that we can see that we are making headway is when I am out and about doing more outreach events, as I've been able to do now that, that COVID is not quite the entity that it used to be. Uh, there are a lot more people now who are aware about the risks of moving firewood than there used to be. And so we are making some headway with that. And I would also say um, there's a lot of discussion nationally about the movement of firewood and a big effort right now to try to um, have states harmonize their firewood rules a little bit more than they have been. It makes it easier for the producers and it makes it easier for people who are traveling between states to know that the rules are pretty consistent between states. And honestly, um, uh, Firewood Scout just went through an update, and there are more states on it now than there used to be. So there's 12 states on Firewood Scout at this point. Um, and so if you're traveling to any of those 12 states, it makes it a consistent resource that you can go to to find an online firewood directory for where firewood is sold in those 12 participating states. But it does, it, I'm looking at the states, and it doesn't <laughs> make sense to me. Uh, well, I mean, because uh, if you've got people coming up from, okay, let's say Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. Pennsylvania is not one of the states involved right. with this. Uh, neither right. is New York. Neither is Connecticut. Neither is Massachusetts. Yes. Neither is Vermont. So it's like, okay, so until you get to Maine or New Hampshire, we're, we're putting the hammer down. But you've got a free ride, and the other states aren't working together. Why? Why wouldn't they? Well, I think at some level it is because different states are set up differently and they have different authorities that they're allowed to enact as well as different resources. Uh, we've certainly talked with Vermont quite a bit about joining Firewood Scout, um, but uh, and they've put some thought into it, but I don't think that they've joined yet, obviously. Um, I think it makes a little bit of sense, actually, if you look at a big picture and you know who's who in the country and where things are. So you've got a cluster down there in the, um, in the kind of the southern mid-Atlantic area area there um, in the southern states, Kentucky, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina. You've got a cluster up in uh, Michigan, um, Wisconsin, North yep. Dakota. It started, in, it, it's actually Firewood Scout started as a joint product between um, uh, Nature Conservancy and uh, organization in Tennessee and an organization in Michigan. So you kind of have those clusters in the country. Gotcha. And then California, of course, does its own thing. And so it's kind of out there in the West. The West is interesting in terms of talking about firewood regulation, um, just because they're a little bit later to the game than some of the, the eastern states. Um, and so they're just kind of getting going on some of this. Um, you know, and I would say that even though some of these states haven't joined Firewood Scout in the East, and I would love to see them join, absolutely, um, they still have firewood rules. 
Um, and so it's, it would be good for them to join Firewood Scout, and it would be good for states to also emphasize what restrictions they have in place for firewood, because it does make it easier for the consumer. Um, the Don't Move Firewood program just did a really big national uh, inventory of where firewood outreach exists um, in the country and made some recommendations, actually, for every state as to, as to how they could improve. And I have to say New Hampshire did pretty well on that. Um, they made three recommendations two of which I think might apply to a larger state, but maybe not so much uh, in a state the size of New Hampshire. Um, and one of the recommendations we've taken to heart and are going to try to, to improve our messaging on that as well. Cool. Now, I guess I'm, I'm the uh, old school guy. Are, mm-hmm. there, are there penalties? You know, I mean, if you're the person that's lugging uh, firewood that has not mm-hmm. been heat treated. And, oh, by the way, you just brought in a whole colony of spotted lanternflies. Thank you. Right. Um, mm-hmm. are, are there penalties that, that, there that are. you can hold? There are penalties. So, um, you know, from, from my perspective, I can, um, I can kind of do like a administrative fine, which doesn't work so well for, um, you know, the consumer who's moving firewood, but it is, um, enforceable by any law enforcement, um, entity in the state, the movement of firewood. The primary people who enforce the firewood regulation are the, uh, New Hampshire forest rangers. And they do have the authority to pull people over when they see firewood in, in the back of the truck with the, with the out of state plates. And they do pull people over and then they have their their various um you know uh, warnings and 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 uh fines that they can issue oh, okay well you know because sometimes you can front load all you want but until mm-hmm. they get caught red-handed uh, yeah you know that's and the, you get ignorance is not a defense come on guys right right Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, it is, it is, the movement of firewood is scientifically known to introduce new pests into new areas. They've, they've done all sorts of interesting things with, with different pests and, and looked at how it's been spread across the country. And, and the movement of firewood is a significant pathway. Um, it's also a really challenging pathway because you have commercial movers of firewood who are honestly a lot easier to deal with with regulations. And then you've got all of the recreational transporters of firewood, which is a lot harder to, to kind of cope with on a regulatory uh, environment. And so that's why we do as much outreach as we do to try to get some voluntary compliance as well as having the penalties. Yep, I get it. And and basically, uh, taking the, the uh, out-of-state firewood, uh, mm-hmm. you want it heat treated to 140 degrees for 60 minutes. Yes. Okay, so that's basically the equivalent of if you take your dogs out in the woods, uh, you get in the house, you peel your clothes, you uh, throw them in the dryer, for 10 or 20 minutes to cook any ticks on yes. there. That's basically that's, what you're doing. That's exactly what it is. So, so this is a whole other can of worms that I'm happy to talk about. But, yeah, so so our required um, standard is 140 for 60 minutes. And basically that just cooks whatever is in or on the wood. It doesn't actually dry the wood. So there is a difference between kiln-dried wood and heat-treated wood. So kiln-dried wood is obviously attractive for its value-added properties. It, you know, lights faster. It, it burns cleaner. Um, and so a lot of places will kiln-dry wood. But to get that certificate on there, it also means you have to have at least heat-treated it to the level that will kill anything that is in or on the wood. Um, and so most, most of our kilns actually 
meet that standard pretty easily. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, if, if all you're doing is meeting the standards, you may still have a fairly wet piece of wood, but it's considered safe sure. um, for the movement of pests. Gotcha. Are, are we are we too late to the party, Pira? Or, I mean, are the Asian longhorn beetles, the ash borers, oak wilt, landerfly, they're already here. Um, part, well, but there's so much more. Oh, oh great. Thank <laughs> there's, you. There's so much. I, I, you know, I know we always kind of have these depressing conversations, but... Um, that's why we no. love you, Pira. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, I mean, there, there really is a lot more that's out there. And um, so I think everything that we do is a learning experience that prepares us for the next pest. And I think Emerald Ashborn in particular was a big learning experience, but it did prepare us for the next pest. And, you know, it's, it really is very much tied into this discussion about firewood because it's the one that really shone a flashlight or a spotlight even on what a big risk firewood movement was and got people to start paying a little bit more attention to to discussions around firewood. And it takes a long time for people to change their behavior. So I don't anticipate that everyone is going to stop moving firewood immediately, but you have to keep talking about it. It's really a marathon versus a sprint to change that behavior so that people do recognize that, you know, there are significant costs to the area that you travel and recreate in when you move firewood that's potentially infested. And while you may not see those costs as a visitor to that area, the people who live and work there and and the, the campgrounds that are there and then the local governments that are there bear significant costs from that movement of firewood. And I think if we keep talking about that over time, people will recognize that the movement of firewood is a pathway for the introduction of pests and that resources like firewood scout exists to help them identify local firewood so that they can have that positive um, campground ambiance with the campfire without bringing a risk to that area that they're enjoying. I got you. All right. Now, now, uh, but the the harmful tree pest that I just alluded to, Mm -hmm. they're already Mm -hmm. here. Um, the ash borer, the longhorn beetle, mm-hmm. oak wilt, landerfly, are, are they expanding their territories or are they pretty much holding where they've been and is there any way to retard their growth? Right. So Asian longhorn beetle is actually a real success story. That is a very, that is a pest that can be eradicated. It's been eradicated out of Illinois. It's been eradicated out of New Jersey. It's been eradicated out of parts of New York. It's getting pretty close to being eradicated in Worcester, which is our closest population. You know, they're having success with it in Ohio, and they're actually having a lot of success with it in South Carolina, which is the most recent interception. And so Asian longhorn beetle, actually think needs to be held up as an example of what a good eradication program can look like. So that one is very radical. And at some level, it depends also on the biology of the pest. Emerald ash borer is one of these that is just because of the biology, it's tricky to be able to eradicate it. In fact, that that isn't really on the table. And so what we look at with emerald ash borer is after this kind of wave goes through, is trying to help the, the what they call the aftermath forest, which is where all the big ash trees have been removed by emerald ash borer, and you still have some, some smaller trees that are coming up. How do we protect those smaller trees so, so we have ash trees into the future? So that's really where the focus on emerald ash borer is shifting for those states like New Hampshire that have already had it. 
states out in the West that are only just starting to think about emerald ash borer because they don't have it yet. They may have a different strategy. Um, spotted lanternfly, that's another one like emerald ash borer that's just tricky because of the biology of the pest. The good news is for New Hampshire, it looks like it would be very hard for it to establish in most of the state. Um, I think it will be introduced, but it does look like it would be challenging for it to establish. Hmm. And if you have any, if you have ash trees, uh, feel free to go out and take a look. And mm-hmm. if you see uh, what is called blonding on your tree, and it's very pronounced, you'll know it. You got it. Yeah, and it's really important, um, and it's great to talk with you because you already know all of this, and so my job is so much easier. <laughs> Thank you, by the way. That's okay. But, but um, as as those ash trees die because of emerald ash borer, they get very brittle and very dangerous. And so if you do have a tree that is dying because of emerald ash borer, you really want to look into taking it down um, or hiring somebody to take it down, especially if it's at a risk to a home or to vehicles or to people because they fall apart very easily and they become a big liability oh absolutely you got a widow maker hanging 60 feet yep. up with a breeze you don't want that right no 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 all right so let's shift gears from from that stuff to ticks yes yes so it's a great time i thought you know it's getting warmer outside i was thinking we're going to talk firewood and then i thought camping also reminds me of ticks and black flies oh, yeah. which are starting to show up and so i would just say those tick checks are important we recommend people doing them anytime that there's not snow cover on the ground uh spring and summer months are when most cases of lyme disease are transmitted to humans and that's because the biting stage um during during those months are usually the nymphs which are very small and hard to see yeah, and, and uh, right now, uh, the ones that I've been pulling off, uh, the real small pinhead ones, very, yes. very small, hard to find. Yes, exactly. And so there's all sorts of things you can do to reduce your, your risk of, um, you know, encountering ticks and then, and then doing something about them after you've been enjoying the outside. You know, um, covering up, wearing, um, you know, maybe uh, permethrin-treated clothing, you know, putting your clothes in the dryer, as you alluded to earlier when you come in, and making sure you do those tick checks. If I could just throw the dogs in the dryer, that would be so good. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yes, and they're really hard to find on those dogs, depending on what kind of dog you have. Well, see, <laughs> And, and I've always had yellow labs, so it's mm. been pretty good. But mm-hmm. I, I lost one, and so we got a rescue dog. It's a black lab. Oh, oh. I can't see anything on that one. <laughs> that would be that would be hard. Yep. That would be hard. Wow. If people want more information on uh, Firewood Scout, wh- where do they go? It's firewoodscout.org, or you can go to nhbugs.org, which is kind of our multi-agency uh, informational site about forest pests of concern, and there should be links uh, to firewoodscout.org from nhbugs.org. So are you getting more people involved with this? Uh, you know, the people, residents of New Hampshire are saying, what, I, what, what is all this stuff about emerald ash borer and, and lantern flight? What, what, what is this? Right. So we do, with Lanternfly in particular, we've been working pretty closely with a couple of our big wholesale nurseries um, that are bringing in a lot of nursery stock from um, the mid-Atlantic states where Lanternfly is exploding. We've got actually a really nice program set up um, with one of them that, um, you know, they're really finding egg masses and removing them before they can hatch. And so that reduces the risk for the whole state. And it's fantastic, um, the cooperation that we've got with that. And we're doing some outreach events. We did just a couple weeks ago. So um, uh, Discover Wild New Hampshire days where we talked a lot about spotted yep. lanternfly. Yep. We talk about it a lot during um, 
you know, um, New Hampshire Farm, Forest, and Garden Expo. Uh, you know, often it's cooperative extension is kind of the outreach arm for both the Division of Forests and Lands and then for our forest pests um, that we talk about, too. So they do a lot of outreach about spotted lanternfly as well. But are you getting residents of the state getting curious and wanting to be yes. better informed? Yes, absolutely. They, we had a lot of people that were asking us questions and that seemed to have some familiarity with spotted lanternfly. Um, and so, and actually a lot of questions about emerald ash borer too. Um, and so I would just recommend that people look at this information on NIH bugs. If they see anything that is a suspect, they go ahead and give us a call because, you know, being forewarned makes the response easier. Wow. Well, as always, you uh, enlightened us and bumped us out at the same time, <laughs> but you do it well. Well, it's, it's fun. I like, I like doing this. I guess I have to say I like bumming you out, although I don't really like that. Yeah, but we, you've done it so long, girl. Why change now? <laughs> right. It's been great. Pierre, it's right, al- always a blast talking to you. We'll do it soon. Okay, that sounds good. Thanks a lot. Yep, bye-bye. Bye-bye. The, uh, the state entomologist, the bug chick. Uh, Pira Siegert, and she knows her stuff, man. She is into it, yeah, um, and she she loves it. So, um, so good news and bad news, uh, you know. But yeah, it is what it is, and, you know. Right. And, and, and I talk to uh, folks that are in their fifties, sixties, seventies. They're going, my God, I when I was a kid growing up, I'd be out in the fields all day, never have a tick on me. And it's like, yeah, I remember those days. Yeah, I mean, even when I was a kid, I mean. Back in the 80s and 90s, like, I didn't ever worry about ticks. No. I mean, it just it wasn't a thing. Now, you take two steps off the, uh, off the first <laughs> yeah, step. Right. It's like, oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, very That's weird. horrible. Very weird. Yeah. So, 9.35 is the time. Red Sox baseball this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Right here. So you don't have to change the dial. No. Make, it, make it easy just, for just you. Just stay here. Stay here. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. We'll take a break. Back with more. Johnny C. Doing a boogaloo down Broadway. Johnny C. Yeah. I like that. Wall Street right now. Uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average up 133. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah, I mean, if you look at it, for, uh, last Friday, it was down, uh, the Dow was down uh, 981. Yeah. Monday was up 238. Tuesday was down 809. Wednesday was up 6175. And today it's up 133. Yeah, yeah so I know. The I, net gain's not great, but no, still. But it's uh, uh, at least it's not. We're, we're trying. It's a constant downtrend. I know, I know. Nine forty is the time. Um, I don't, I don't know why. This is like clickbait to me. Yeah. Um, I, because I don't care about these people. I hate these people. Um, I have nothing to do with them. We're just so far apart. Rob Kardashian. <laughs> And his ex-fiancee, Black China. Uh-huh. Okay. He testified uh, that the ex-fiancee held a gun to his head on numerous occasions mm. during their tumultuous relationship. Okay. The former Robin China star claimed during testimony that the uh, 
uh, the former exotic dancer physically abused him. Um, and he said uh, Kylie Jenner once held down a relationship with China's ex-boyfriend. Um, and apparently um, China threatened Kylie. He said, I don't know the details. I just know she threatened my little sister. And uh, he said, I was at the worst place in my life. And me reaching out to her uh, was at my weakest, worst point. I was in the hospital with diabetes and ketoacidosis, and that's when we linked up. So her threatening my sister, and she was reaching out to me, and was the one person who brought me in, and at my lowest point, I chose to talk to her and ignore all the bad things with my family. Well, you're an idiot. Uh, then he delivered the bombshell uh, about his testimony, his toxic time. He said, yeah, looking at it now, I had my gun I had my gun put to my head by this woman several times. That's a toxic relationship. <laughs> Dear diary, you think so? <laughs> right. He said the alleged abuse included fights and arguing, me sleeping in the car in the driveway, wanting to get into the home, strangling someone, beating someone. That's not family. That's not love to me. No kidding. <laughs> he also addressed social media videos that the former couple shared during a celebration of their show being picked up for its second season. He said, well, she put a gun to my head afterwards, so obviously we weren't happy. Um, he said <laughs> during the altercation, China tried to strangle him with an iPhone cord and hit him with a six-foot metal pole. She claimed in her own testimony she placed the cord in front of Rob's neck in a playful way to turn his <laughs> attention away from the video game he was playing. She further claimed that the gun incident involved his unloaded handgun, and she was not serious when she brandished it while Rob was on a FaceTime call with video friends. Oh. Uh-huh. Well. And he said, after the entire evening, I realized it was a violent attack. By the end of the night, having her put a gun to my head, strangle me, scratch me, beat me. No, it was not a playful attack. <laughs> I'm like, what is it with you people? <laughs> Grow up, for the love of God. Um, and this is why I can't stand the Kardashians. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, they're all pretty awful. They really are. No talent. <laughs> no. Um, Why are they famous? I don't even understand. Because I, I, I uh, Kim models, I guess, right? Well, she had that. She had that. Uh, well, they had the show. Well, no, no, no but oh. the thing before that, some sex tape. Oh, yeah. Great. Right. Hey, I'll film one if I can be a star. <laughs> I mean, jeez. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't have the brains God gave geese. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just, I just, I still maintain that I just don't understand the appeal I, or people's I, obsession with the Kardashian family. Does it make you feel better about yourself going, God, I'm so much better than those people? <laughs> okay. But they're sitting there flaunting their wealth, right? Uh, which makes no sense to me. Yeah. Uh, and then people are shocked when Kim airbrushed her wrinkles. No. Yeah. Well, really? she photoshops her photos? Yeah. She's not doing it for you. She's doing it for her. I mean, come on. Uh, you know, uh, I have a perfect life. It's like, come on, man. Right. Um, so here's this. They're strangling each other. They're beating each other. It's like, I'm suing for $100 million. Well, you're trying to ruin my my, my income. Yeah. <laughs> and what? And I'm shocked about that? Yeah. I, I just, I do not understand that. No. I don't think there's really anything to understand. It's just a bunch of crazy people just... But why do they get so much coverage? Because people still... Yeah, but why? What, what, what is the allure? I do I don't not know. get it. It's got to be a generational thing. It must just be people that are young that just, for whatever reason, find it interesting. I don't know. You think? I, I don't know what else it could be. I mean... I mean, it's not... <laughs> there's, there's nothing of substance there. We're not missing something, are we? I don't think so. Okay. All right. I think it's just... 
petty drama that people just are obsessed with. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, got, I, I got know. nothing. I mean, unless they're really interested in the entrepreneurial habits of the Kardashian family. Oh, please. <laughs> and and Kim was studying to um, uh, to be an attorney. Nah. Would you want her as your attorney? Oh, good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I'd take uh, uh, my cousin Vinny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'd take Joe, Joe Pesci as my <laughs> yeah, attorney. Right. Uh, 945. Uh, we got one more yep. break. We'll take a break. Back on the other side. Asked a girl what she wanted to be. She said, baby... Can't you see? I want to be famous, a star on the screen. But you can do something in between. Baby, you can drive my car. Yes, I'm going to be a star. Baby, you can drive my car. And maybe I love you. You know, sounds as good as it did when it came out. <laughs> it sounds good. Yeah. You know, compared to some of the garbage is out there for music now yeah that sounds good yeah i'm sorry it does <laughs> yeah wow yeah i'm old school i get it but i get it, it makes me happy well i mean i I, don't know. I i just i feel like it's hard to even argue that music of today is anywhere near the substance of i, I can't you know. I don't know and i've been around music in this business for mm-hmm. so many years now i've seen the new and the old and i'm like really it's just oh, not the man. same it's really not no you know no very weird very very weird it's just less about storytelling now and more about just just junk yeah <laughs> you know you know and, and i just miss the you know like the folk songs like you were you know like a story would be told yeah, and there was you know meaning it. to it and yeah yeah and the old billy joe hello mm-hmm. you know and, yeah uh, okay, I, think, yeah. I mean and not that there's none of those these days but they're no, just so far in between that it's you know and, and, and if you listen to some of the lyrics Right. now it's yeah. like really and you're you're trying to talk about morality in schools <laughs> right. and look what the kids are listening to mm-hmm. and I, I can't even i can't even repeat the lyrics yeah that, uh, right i'm like really yeah um oh yeah i was uh Jeannie and i were um uh talking about one, and i said oh yeah that song and she said well yeah i said oh no 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 do you know what that's saying said, no and I told her, she went, no. I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the words, girl. Uh-huh. Yep. 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 She's like, wow. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and again, I was busting on, what's his name? Uh, Kardashian. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, people not like us. Okay. Not quite. Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. Al Pacino. Yep. Celebrated his 82nd birthday with a new girlfriend who's 28. Wow. If you are 82 years old and you're hitting on a 28-year-old, they're not celebrating that. They're going to be dragging you into jail for something, you know? Seriously. And But here, they're showing no signs of slowing down their surprise romance. I mean, I mean... Come on! I mean, all I can say is good on the 28-year-old for, you know, getting... <laughs> I mean... Obviously, when he sugar dies, sugar daddy, sugar daddy. Well, yeah, I mean, and plus, I mean, how much longer does he have left? I mean, he's in his early eighties. I mean, eighty-two. You know, I mean, celebrates his birthday with a new girlfriend who's twenty-eight. <laughs> twenty-eight. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, you, you and I would be. So she was basically born when he was fifty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird, weird, weird stuff. Um, wow. Well, there are people not like us, kids. Yeah, I'm telling you. Nope. 
and and you see that and they go oh is this great look at this they're in love no and, uh, she's or, checking her bank account yeah or like at the you know like when the uh when ricky gervais hosted the oscars and he was making fun of uh leonardo dicaprio for his wife who was so much younger yeah and they all just laugh you know it's just like ha, ha, ha. Yeah, yeah, you know if, know if people locally did that it would be a travesty you'd be like what's going on with this guy i know you know no it's just very very weird yeah but anyway uh 307 this afternoon red sox toronto blue jays game four uh of the four game set red sox down two to one hopefully gonna even the tilt today mm-hmm. uh, you can hear all the action on new stock 99.7 wntk am 1490 fm 98.9 wuvr thank you to uh some of our many red sox sponsors that are bringing you the action uh river valley college in claremont lebanon and keen loves bedding and furniture in claremont yastramski electrical services and emergency power systems of kentucky gna auto body in north sutton lumber barn in bradford twin state coin in west lebanon and come get me my car.com thank mm-hmm. you thank you thank you so we appreciate Indeed. that. Appreciate your uh, support so you can hear the games yeah. today. So, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I just <laughs> got looking at those. And, uh, whoa. It's just a rabbit hole. Like, once you go down, you just can't stop. Oh, wait a minute. Do we have breaking news? Do we? Yeah. Do we have a breaking news sounder? Um, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, well. not not readily available okay anyway. well we should get yeah, one yeah kind of class up the place yeah uh the u.s marshal service happy to announce that a phone call to the berwick maine police department led to the arrest of future of the week zachary sutton yay oh nice 29 years of age he was wanted strafford county superior court arrest warrant for bail violations uh alleging second degree assault by strangulation on one child and assault on a second child in 2020 he was featured as the Fugitive of the Week last week, April 20th, yep. uh, aired here on WNTK. And um, apparently um, they got a report of a Sutton attempting to break into a family member's home. Upon arrival of the Berwick Police Department, he had fled in the woods, was captured a short time later, uh, charged as a fugitive from justice on the outstanding warrant out of Stratford County, currently housed in the York County Jail, Maine, uh, pending his court appearance for being returned to Stratford uh, County, New Hampshire. So, yeah, oh, there you go. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it works. Yeah, that's right. And and you know, Jeff uh, Jeff White um, uh, said I was not a fan of the Future of the Week program when it started. Really? He said because paperweight uh, paper wise, it's a pain in the butt. I'm sure it is. And he said, yeah. you know, but he said it works. Yeah. And he said we've got other uh, U.S. Marshals districts mm-hmm. around the country going. How's that thing work for you? He right. Said, it's great. Yeah. And he said, they're replicating what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And said, so, yeah, it works. Yeah. I mean, they're not even on that many stations. I think it's just a handful. Yeah. And but they don't want to, they don't want to overexpose. Yeah. And he said, you know, we don't, um, so. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I mean, I know for a fact, well, not for a fact, but I'm pretty confident that listeners of NTK have tipped off a couple of people. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and they, they're writing comments mm-hmm. on it, you know. So it's like, wow. Yeah. That's great. No, uh, but he, he loves it. And he said it's really flattering when um, other districts around the country. I'm sure, yeah. Say, hey, uh, because since they've done it, we started that back in 2002. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Monier was the U.S. Marshal. Steve and I kind of whipped that thing together. Yep. It's resulted in over 8,542 arrests. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> From, from murder, assault, sex offender, parole violations, blah, 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 blah. Jeez. But yeah, 
8,500 arrests that That's may or impressive. may not have happened. You right, know? right. So, so Jeff, Jeff is sold on the program. Well, I would think so. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, eighty five hundred people—that's that's impressive. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. So anyway, all right. So we got Red Sox uh, today, yeah. tomorrow. Um, Jeannie flying back from the Sunshine State. Oh uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Good. I hope it's snow squall when she comes in. <laughs> <laughs> it's twenty degrees. Welcome home, honey. Yeah. <laughs> Since they're out salting the roads. Uh, that's all right. That's all right. No. Yeah. It'll do her good. Yeah. Uh, and she doesn't tan anyway. She just puts on the fake tan. Oh, yeah. So it's like, whatever. Yeah. It's going to wash off anyway. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. Uh, but she'll be back in the saddle uh, on Monday. Yep. So um, yep. she's tan. She's rested. She's ready. So it's it's all good. Yeah. Thank you for coming in. Yeah, not a problem. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, good uh, good bunch of folks in this morning. Yeah, it's a bunch good stuff to talk about. Yeah. So, no. And we will do it again. Uh, do it again on Monday. That's right. And you've got uh, your show tomorrow, right? Yeah, day trip destinations. Yeah, yeah with Ashley and Riley from yep. the Lake Centipede Chamber, nine at the ten. We'll be talking about some local things, local places. Local works, man. People want local. Local does work. Yep. You know, not not a lot of people want to do it anymore. They want the world. Nah, I don't care about the damn world. Right. I want what's affecting me. The bingo here. What's in my backyard? Right. That's all I care about. Yep. So. Yeah. Uh, Sweet. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna rock and roll. All right. Have yourself a good one. You too. the girl what she wanted to be she said baby can't you see i want to be famous a star on the screen but you can do something in between baby you can drive my car yes i'm gonna be a star She said, baby, it's understood Working for peanuts is all very fine But I can show you a better time